It's a great weekend. Anybody feel like it's a great weekend? Great day to be in church. We're continuing our series, Counterculture. But there's another reason it's a great weekend. It's playoff football weekend. Yes. And I just want to get a temperature check of who I'm preaching to today. Uh, hey, is there any Bengals fans in the house today? Any Bengals fans? A couple of us. A lot of booze. A lot of booze. What about this? Any Bills fans in the house this morning? Any Bills fans in the house? Okay. I see the sweater. I love that. Uh, what about this? Uh, is there any Cowboys fans in the house this morning? Great. Great. Boo, boo. Now that we've talked about all the teams playing this weekend... What about this? Any Niners fans in the house this morning? Great. Now, Niners fans, Cowboys fans, I have to ask you, today we're going to be talking about the topic of meekness and humility. So, stay calm. Don't fight. It's going to be okay, right? Right? Uh, yeah, so we're diving into Matthew 5 today, Matthew 5, verse 5. And just to recap where we've been as we walk through the Beatitudes on the Sermon on the Mount. And these Beatitudes are the attitudes that we should strive to be. This was the declaration of Jesus of what it means to live for the kingdom. That song we just sang, uh, that what it means to live um, for the kingdom in mind. And the first week we talked about the spiritual emptiness being spiritually poor and emptying of ourselves. And this is the starting point for the rest as we spiritually empty ourselves and allow Jesus to fill us and work through us. And last week, we talked about the idea of blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn and we are blessed and we are honored because we have a savior in Jesus who comforts us and we have the word of God that gives us truth to hold on to. Today we're talking in Matthew 5, 5, this passage. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Meekness or humility is what we're discussing today. And this in our culture today, in our culture today, meekness is not something that is often strived for. In our culture today, it's almost frowned upon. It's a quality that is not celebrated. We live in a pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get it done, be the top dog culture. And when you read scripture, we see something different. We, 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 when people see meekness in culture today, and from culture's perspective, looking at meekness and humility, it's often thought of as a weakness. It's a weakness. You'll be easily taken advantage of. You'll be manipulated. You have to be strong, and you have to be proud. You ever heard the phrase, a meek little mouse? That phrase comes strictly from a position of the culture and how it views meekness. As a tiny, little, innocent mouse that can easily be taken. That's what culture seems to say. And more than ever, we live in a culture that is discontent, separated, quick to anger, quick to respond. It's a culture we live in. We live in a culture where we want to be number one. We want to be number one. Just like some of us want to be number one in a couple weekends on our football teams. We live in a culture where we want to be the top dog. We want to be the one at top. We live in a consuming culture. I need to get, get, get. Get as much power as I can. Get as much influence as I can. Get as much money as I can. We, we live in a culture, culture where we want to be noticed. We want to be praised. We want people to notice us and praise us and sing our praises. And I know some of you are like, not me, Shane. Not me. I don't want to be noticed. Check your social media feed. This is what social media is. 
We go to restaurants and we go and we get a steak delivered, or in my case, we get some fast food delivered in front of us, and we snap a picture of it, and we post it. Still doesn't make sense to me why we do this. But we post it, we put it on social media, and then we constantly go back to check and see who liked it. Who noticed what I was doing? The highlight reel of social media that we live by. We live in a culture that says, praise me. Notice my accomplishments. Notice how hard I'm working, even when we're doing the right things, right? Even when we're like on a health journey. You know, it's January, so most of us in this room are still eating healthy and working out, right? And so, but like we post about it. You know, look at me working out. And I hope people praise me for my hard work. It's a culture we live in. We live in a win at all cost, impress people culture. And if we're honest, in this culture, in this win at all cost culture, it's often at the expense of others. All that matters in the culture's eyes is my success. All that matters is that I'm taken care of. All that matters is that I get the promotion. All that matters is that I'm celebrated. And it's often at the cost of people around us to get to this place. We pride ourselves. We pride ourselves on tearing people down in our culture. We pride ourselves on making sure people know they're wrong. We pride ourselves on bringing people down. It's a culture we're living in. But what does the Bible say about it? What does the Bible say? How how should we live as Christians, as Christ followers, in a world where this is the culture we're living in? But remember, you have to remember this in the back of your head. Yes, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. You are, you are a Christian, you are a follower of Christ, a son or daughter of God, and you are called to live, as the Bible would put it, holy, meaning set apart. We base our standards of living not by culture's standards, but by Jesus' standards. And this is what it says in Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. I, there, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I mean, look at the first passage there. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, this concept of servanthood or dedication or belonging to God is not something that in our culture would be, would be celebrated. You're independent. You don't belong to no one. Here's my favorite one. You're a free thinker. No, you are, as a Christian, you are a prisoner to the Lord. You, you belong to Jesus. And as it reads, it continues, these things that you've been called to live your life in a place of humility. Live your life as, as in a way of gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. So when it comes to this idea of meekness or humility, how should we live? How should we live? And I wanna just say something, because I know there was two groups of people in this room uh, th- this morning when I said, we're gonna be talking to meekness or humility. There was a couple groups of people. One, there was the person who went, uh-oh. Like, you know, you know that this is gonna be a hard one for you. You struggle, you, you, you struggle with pride. You struggle with the idea of meekness. You see it as weakness. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you're here this morning so you could hear this and maybe be challenged. And there's another group of people in this room. The moment I said meekness and humility, the first thing that ran through your head was, well, I'm glad he's telling everybody else. 
I'm glad he's finally talking to everybody else out there who's not humble. I'm the most humble one in this room. I parked in the upper lot when there were spots available lower. I'm humble, I'm meek. I'm glad you're here this morning so you can hear this passage. How should we live? How should we live meekly? There's two main ways in our life that we need to focus on a meek approach to life or a humble approach to life. First, we are called to live meekly before God. We are called to live meekly before God. Humble before God. In our relationship with our heavenly Father, we are called to live meekly. And I'm I'm gonna apologize ahead of time because this is gonna make some of you mad at me, but it's okay. When it comes to our life, we view our relationship with God in the American church, the Christian church today, we often view our relationship with God as side by side. We are living life together. Jesus, God is beside me. We stand on the same platform of life together. I hate to say this, Jesus is not your co-pilot. Jesus is not your buddy. He is the almighty God the creator of the universe. His name is Yahweh, I am, the one above all, the self-sustaining, all-powerful God. We are not side by side in our relationship with him. In our faith, we should be in a place, a posture in our relationship with God of humility. If we're quite honest, if we're quite honest, our, our posture should be here. Our posture should be here, just lowering ourselves lowering ourselves to a place of just authentic worship, authentic just vision of God. God, you are so far above me. If we wanna be completely honest, if we wanna be completely honest, you know, our posture should be here. We should be sprawled out as low as we can get. You know, this is like the international position of surrender. Like, I give up. I give up. I'm lowering myself. When it comes to our relationship with God, this is where we should be. We're not side by side. He is mighty. He is above us. And the humbling of ourselves is to lay ourselves flat and say, Jesus, God, I am here. You are there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Nobody watch me get up. All right. That, this is the, the humble submission of servanthood or laying out my life. That's meekness before heavenly God. It's so prideful. And I catch myself doing this. When I get the view of God in my life that we're here, we're here, that's not the case. I mean, this is one reason why we're doing the big serve team day today. I know you don't have any info on it, but later on, we're gonna ask you to jump into a team and serve. The reason why we're doing this is because we as Christians are called to sacrifice to lay down our life for others in that position. And I know there's a lot of us when it comes to serving, when it comes to dedicating our life to to God, we will make a thousand excuses, right? I'm too busy. You don't know how hard I work. You don't know how much I give. Shane, I'm retired. It's my time. The truth is, is you don't retire from serving God. You don't. And we are called to serve him every day, humbling ourselves, laying out before him. You guys still with me? The second way we're supposed to live is we're called to live meek before God and we're called to live meek before others. We're called to live humble and meek in our relationship to other people, the people around us. I wanna make sure one thing's clear. Like I said, culture sees meekness as a weakness. Being meek and being humble does not mean you are weak. 
That's not what the definition is. That it, it, it's, it's this mindset, you are strong, but gentle. That's what meekness is. It's not saying you, you, you don't speak up and you don't say things. There's, there's just ways to go about it. There's humility tied to my message. I mean, Martin Luther King has this quote. He says this, we must speak with all humility that is appropriate to our limited vision, but we must speak. This idea of speaking and doing what you're called to do in life it's not, meekness is not stepping back in the game and playing the bench player. It's meekness is still leading, still going, still changing, still um, meeting with people and changing people's lives, but it's doing it from a place of humility and meekness. Actually, the ancient Greek language, when it, this word meek, if you look back at the ancient Greek language, how it's translated is from meek was a strength under control. That's what meekness was. It was strength under control. Someone put it this way, it's like a strong stallion, like a strong stallion that was trained to do the job perfectly instead of running wild. That's what meekness is. It's not the absence of strength, it's the control of strength. And I know some of you are hearing this and you're like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm not very physically strong. How do I listen to this? Meekness doesn't come from just a place of physical strength and physical control. There's different kinds of strength, right? There's physical strength, there's mental strength, there's emotional strength, there's communication strength. As, as we think about these strengths, we all have these gifts in life that are given to us. All of us fall into strongholds in one of those areas, but we get to choose how we use it. Do we use it to hurt people? Do we use it to gain power? Do we use it to get ourselves ahead? Or do we use it from a place of meekness, of control, to build into the kingdom? So if we're called to live meekly and humbly before God, and we're called to live meekly and humbly before others, how do we do that? How do we do that? I'm gonna focus on this word, manage. Everybody say that with me, manage. Manage. Because what this is, is nobody lives a humble, meek life every moment of every day. It's impossible. The ones who practice this beatitude, this attitude to be well, are the ones who learn how to manage the back and forth better. They learn how to manage that. So the first way that we can live meekly and humbly is we, we need to learn how to manage our expectations of others. We need to learn how to manage our expectations of others. We live in a culture that is a no grace culture. No grace. You make a mistake, guess what? You're done. You say the wrong thing, guess what? You're done. You mess up and fall back into your life, you're done. We need to get better at managing the expectations that we place on people. Now I'm not saying that we just need to let people do whatever they want to do and not say anything, that's not meekness. But we need to remember, we need to manage our expectations and remember how much we needed a savior as well. How much we needed a savior. It says this in Psalms 103 verse 14. For he knows our frame, speaking God, God knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Dust, that's what we are. We're dust. And when we, we get to a place of remembering this, that this is what we are, we are just dust and we are blessed to be saved by an all-loving Christ, it becomes easier to manage the expectations we put on people. 
We start to look at them. And as God remembers we're dust, we remember we're dust. And we remember just over and over again that we needed a savior. We need to get, get better at giving people grace. Grace. I mean, it's something that was, we're really good at saying it. We're really good at saying, yeah, I'm a person of grace. I mean, it's, it's on the side of our building. We're called Grace Church. But do we have the proper expectations of people? Here's the kicker. Do we hold people to the same expectations we hold ourselves? Or do we rationalize our own stuff and then hold them to a pedestal that's different? Well, I, I, I have this going on, Shane. So that's why I made that mistake. But them, I can't believe them. We need to manage our expectations of people better. The second thing that we need to do is we need to manage to find joy. What a radical word, joy. We need to manage to find joy. It says this in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Our culture today tells us very simply, there is no time. There is no time to pause. There's no time to think. You have no time to get where you need to go. You have no time to fix that problem. You have no time to get your life in order. You have no time to stop and love someone. No time, no time. We live in a microwave society. As quick as we can get there. And the truth is we need to remember that we're on a journey. We need to remember that we're on a journey and everyone in this room is at a different stage in that journey. Some of us are just starting. Some of us haven't even started yet. Some of us have been doing this for a long time. We are on a journey and we are battling things. My prayer is that we won't get to the place where we stop finding joy in the journey. Because what happens when we do that, this meekness, humility, that life we're called to live, and we, we don't find joy in the journey, when we don't find joy in the process, when we don't see God through the process, it is hard to live meekly. Often we'll become angry and bitter at the world. We're so caught up in the destination. We're so caught up in the end result. We just become angry and bitter and harsh because we're not finding joy. We're not stopping and seeing God when the truth is there's joy all around us, even in the midst of struggles, even in the midst of your trials, even in the midst of the hardest point of your journey, you can still find joy. We pray prayers like this all the time. God, give me hope. God, give me peace. God, show me your hand at work. And then we go about our day and we're like, just show up, God. We go about our day and we don't look for him. We don't look for him. We don't look for the hope. We don't look for the joy. When it's like this, God, we do this. God, show me hope. And then we wake up in the morning and God grabs the sun and raises it to a new day. And there's a beautiful sunrise. And we look right into the, the created sun and the created sunrise and we choose not to see our savior. We choose to focus on our problems. And then at night he tells the moon, to, I mean the sun to go down and the moon to rise. And we set at the end of the day and we choose not to find the joy of what God had done in the moments of our day but focus on the, the major problem that happened that day. We need to get better at finding the joy of God in our life. If we want to live humbly and we want to live meekly like the Bible tells us to, it comes from a place of seeing God in the little things. Amen?
You guys still with me? A couple of you, thank you. Third way, third way we're called to live, meekly to others, and that we need to manage, is we need to manage the ability to taking time to respond. Take time to respond. Man, our culture says be loud and be first, right? Be loud and be first. I need to be the smartest in the room. I need to be the, the most knowledgeable. I need to be, here's the, here's the kicker, I need to be the most right in the room. We live in a culture that values that. If we wanna live humbly and meekly, we need to manage taking time to respond, to process, to allow Jesus to move through us. James 1.19 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That, that's counter to culture. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But we live in a culture, you know what one of our, I think one of our top values is in the culture we live in today? Gossip. We love gossip. We love it, we built whole reality TV shows around it. We watch people gossiping about other people and we're like, this is great. And then we go and we start to gossip. We're like, I don't know how this happened. The truth is we love gossip. We love talking about people. We love just saying things to stir the pot. Spurgeon has this great quote. It says this, little pots soon boil over. Some people are like that. As soon as they hear some gossip, they boil over with anger. They make immediate judgments without even knowing if it's true. We're, we do that, right? We make immediate judgments. We hear something, how could they? They're so wrong. We don't even know if it's true yet. Do you guys remember that game you used to play back in the day called telephone? Where you'd line a group of people up and it would start with one person. They'd say, okay, say something into my ear. And you'd listen and they would say, I love baseball. And then they'd pass it on person to person to person to person. And eventually it gets like 10 or 11 people along and they say, okay, tell us what we said at the very beginning. And they'll say something like, Rome is the capital of the universe. <laughs> what? That's not even close to what we started with. That's how gossip works. That's how not thinking works. That's not how pausing to take time to respond works. When we are just rash with our tongues and we lash out with our tongues, we will often say things that we don't mean and we'll believe things that aren't true. We need to remember how much we've been freed from when it comes to gossip. We need to remember how much Christ has freed us from. When we, when we hear something about someone else and we wanna respond in judgment, we need to look at our life and remember how much we've been freed from, amen? I need to hurry up because that clock says zero and I still have a point to go. So, the fourth thing is this. We need to manage to remember what God has promised. We need to remember what God has promised. If we wanna live meekly and humbly, we need to remember the promises of God. In a culture today that tells us now matters. Right now is everything in your life that matters. The relationships now, your financial status now, your, your status in life now is what matters. If you live with that kind of mindset, it'll be impossible to live humbly because you will always be striving to get what you need, what? Now. But if you read this passage again, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. For they 
shall inherit the earth. It's a promise. Those who live humbly and meekly, you are promised an inheritance to come. You are promised an inheritance from God. Think about what an inheritance is. Inheritance is something that is passed from father to son or daughter. This is what you're promised. So if you live in a place of meekness and humility in life today before God and humanity, you know what, I'll just say what it is. Your life might not be, like you might not be the top dog. You might not be the one at top. You might not be the most influential. But guess what? Now, in the scheme of eternity, in the scheme of inheritance, is small. We are called to live humbly and meekly with the future and the eternal gaze of Jesus in our mind. Not now. Not just the now. And most of all, when it comes to these points, when it comes to living meekly before God and living meekly before others, most of all, we need to get with Jesus, the perfect demonstrator of what it means to live a meek life. The perfect one who showed us humility with his time in the scriptures. We need to get with Jesus. It says this in James 3:17. But the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Sincere. I love the first line. But first, the wisdom from where? Above. If we want to live this way, if we want to practice what we preach, it only comes from the wisdom from above. It comes from being with Jesus, examining his life. And it makes it a lot easier to sacrifice things. It makes it a lot easier to serve others when you think that God came to earth and sacrificed himself on the cross. It makes it a lot easier to step back from your pride and live from a position of meekness and humbleness when you realize that God came to earth. That's humility, that's meekness. Him taking this place when he could have just snapped his fingers and ruled over everything. Instead, he's nailed to a piece of wood. That's meekness, that's humility. And the more that we lean into him, the more we spend time with him, the more we'll find our face flat on the ground before our almighty God, because we'll understand his greatness. And the more we will begin to live meekly and humbly, that caring more about the, the success of others than the success of ourselves. That's how we're called to live. That's what we're called to do. When it comes to serving, what we're gonna talk about in just a minute, that's meekness, that's humility. Being willing to sacrifice, being willing to serve. I'll be honest, as I prepared this message, uh, it was a hard one for me because I struggle in this realm. I often find myself living a proud life and relying on my own strength and my own wisdom. And to say God wrecked me through this process is an understatement. You know, and I say that to say that I'm not preaching this at you, I, I'm preaching, I'm, I'm hearing this with you. That this is how we're called to live from a position of meekness and humility, and I want whatever it takes to get me there. I want God to move in me. 
whatever it takes to get me there. And so in doing this, I wrote a prayer down that I wanna pray over you and over me, that us, the ones in this church, would take this prayer, pray it over ourselves and live it out. So would you all stand with me as I pray this prayer? Let's pray. Lord, you've called us to have a gentle and quiet spirit, to live from a position of meekness and humility, to step back from our pride and our reliance of ourself and lean into you, to change our habits from what culture says is acceptable, but lean in into your words and what you call us to do. God, help with this harsh tongue. Help with the sarcasm. Help with the rash judgments that I heap upon people. Help me to think the best of others and to give them grace when needed. Help me to discern when your hand is working for my good, even when I face great difficulties, opposition, or even when the wounds hurt. Help me to find the joy in every day from the pulling up of the sun to the setting of it. Help me to pursue Jesus with everything inside of me so that I can be a reflection of the meek one himself, Jesus Christ. Help that be formed in me today. This meekness, this human, this meek human, this humble human who glorifies Jesus and through that you are made famous. Take away my fame. Take away our fame. Let our passion be to make the name of Jesus famous, first in the city of Reno, but then branching out to the world. Let us submit and lay down ourselves before you in a position of humility, bowing to your greatness, your magnitude, and not our own. It's in your name we pray. Amen.